centuries that turned on God. You were always able to be faithful to your people. <laughs> Lord, your people, we need, we need help from heaven in these hours. Thank you, Lord. God, help us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Go to Matthew. Matthew and the twelfth chapter. The old black preacher said, You hear the rustling of the tree. The leaves on the tree of life. That's what you just heard. And these leaves are for the healing of the nation. Thy words were found and I did eat them. (laughs) Mm. The Lord's been good to us. Matthew 12. I got two chapters on my heart. I scribbled that down a while ago, this fresh bread. Watch it careful, you burn your fingers. Still hot. Oven door still left open on this. If I ever study a sermon, I mess it up. Can't preach them after I studied them. You know, there's a verse right here, and it's not, well, this whole thing, we're going to let the Lord have his way. I noticed this earlier today in Matthew 12, 16, and Jesus, there's a lot going on. The people were looking for help, and the Pharisees was looking to kill him. And the meeting had broke out, and the whole nation was in a spirit of revival. <clears throat> and it's just interesting in verse 16 in Matthew 12, he charged them that they should not make him known. And I thought, Brother Griffin, sure would be good. We keep all of our personalities out of this. This is not 
Jesus is not to make him known. That old pride. That old... Uh, it's killing us in this hour. Ain't a little old thing happening. People want to start attaching this and make their name known. God help us. Look what it said in verse 21. And in his name shall the... <laughs> something. He didn't want to make himself known. And then it wasn't even five verses later. <laughs> they were trusting in his name. Now the Lord's here. I ain't got, I, listen, we're just going to obey the Lord. I honestly come out of that a 40 day season that God put in my life and I ain't touched, hardly touched the outline since. I can't it's all too powerful. I read the verse and there's two hours of preaching it. I, I'd, I'd mess it up by sticking stuff on it. We need him. We don't need, we don't need the taste or the scent of anything else. You think the Lord's interested Getting some folk to trust his son in his name. Mm. And the Lord just wants to do eternal things. Now, I hope this thing goes a month. And it don't ha- I don't have to be here, but I'm going to stay. If it is, <laughs> if it is I mean, you can get I may sit back there and get help, but I ain't leaving. If, it gets, if he asks me, you need to go on now. I'm going to put on a disguise and come on back in. Help me now. And we, we don't know what the Lord's going to do. He could close it tonight. Or we could still be having church come Thanksgiving. Let me tell you, now I don't have much wisdom and I don't think anybody should. I don't think, I don't, I don't think we do have the wisdom and I don't think we're supposed to have the wisdom to do this or we'd take over. I think we all need to just remain helpless. And the one mistake I've seen men do when God's stirring is they start trying to define it. And then, and when you label it, you limit it. They're going to ask you tomorrow. They've been asking you in a long time. What happened? Just look at them and just like turn your head like this, and, just, and then turn it like this, and just like, and then do your shoulder like this, and then just say, "Him." Don't and, and and don't walk out them doors and try to tell folk how this came about. Don't. You're sticking your hand in it. I hear people say, "Well, you know, we all finally got in unity." Do you know how many places are in unity? And they, I'm serious. And 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 and. and and it's just not been their lot to have been granted a visitation on this manner. And, and, and don't walk out there and say, well, people got to pray. Do you know how many faithful saints are praying around this world have been praying their whole life? And they'll never see or taste what you're in the middle of. It's just not always his plan. Don't walk out the door and tell folk what's happening because you don't know what's happening. What God's doing is so much bigger than what you're seeing. Don't walk out of here and tell folk how it came about. Don't walk out the door and tell people what the Lord's doing. You have no idea what he's doing. You just know, just know that it's very eternal. 
It's eternal. It's eternal. It goes as deep. This what God is doing goes as deep down to hell. And it goes as high up to heaven. God's reaching down to hell and pulling people out. And he's reaching up to heaven and pulling glorious things down and bringing them all to us. Don't walk out of here telling everybody how it happened. That's pride. And it may not start out as pride, but it'll turn into pride. And that's pretentious. You're thinking way too much of yourself to know that you got a handle on what God's doing. Now the Lord will talk to the pastor. And he'll let him know everything he needs to know. And he'll see things that none of you are going to see. And then some of you around here, the Lord's going to speak to you about what he's doing in your life. And you're going to see things that he isn't doing. But don't think it ends with what you're seeing. We need him. And this is a bigger deal than you think. And don't walk out of here and say that was a good service. Because it's so much more than that. Don't walk out of here and say that was a great service because it's so much more than that. This is monumental on another level. And it's him. Loving us. And we're not sure why. But we want him. That's all we need to know. We're fixing to go to prison for what we believe. The little woman from Kentucky, she's in jail as we speak. And the hour has come. They locked her up this afternoon. And the hour has come in this nation where comfortable Christianity is about over with. I'm sorry for my children, but I'm kind of happy for the church. This land is seeing church been making God sick. The Lord's put this in my heart. Are you in Matthew 12? Brother Griffith and people of the Lord, you pastors and elders and shepherds, servants of the Lord and sheep of the flock of God, I want to say unto you that what I'm doing here is just want to, because the Lord put me here and I just want to be what the Lord wants me to be for this meeting. And we all better get in that mindset. Mm. It'd be good if it went right through Thanksgiving and messed up all of your relatives' plans. Some of you have been needing to have a family split anyway. It'll help you. Lord, just I've been in Matthew. I'm gonna hide that. Got all that I need. The Lord's had me studying the Holy Spirit. I've been preaching the Holy Spirit, and uh, it is better felt than told. Some things have to be caught. They can't be taught. But our doctrine must be sound. And so the Lord's had me studying the Holy Spirit. I got about nine messages out of nine passages on the Holy Spirit. If you center your gospel around the Father, you'll be a Calvinist. 
if you center your gospel around the Holy Spirit, you'll be a charismatic. But if you'll center your gospel around where the Father and the Spirit are interested in, they're, they're heavily interested in the Son, you'll be a Christian. So I don't want to have any charismatic leanings in this study and just understand up front that the Holy Spirit came to glorify Jesus. And don't get caught up, you know, that used to come in the back door of my church wanting to talk about uh, the gifts of the saints. What's your gift? I have gift one, three, and seven. <laughs> What's your gift? And you know, little fruity, flaky thing. What's your gift? And somebody actually filled with the Holy Spirit does not focus on their gifts. They come in talking about another gift. The gift of eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. With that said, knowing that the Holy Spirit said I, he will not speak of himself, it's okay for us to talk about it. If we have the same heart that he has to glorify Jesus. But I have precedence for this because Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit a whole lot. Like a lot. And even when John 3, when Nicodemus came, at, by night with them questions before Jesus could tell him about the work of the sun verses 14 as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so he first told him about had to tell him about the work of the spirit <laughs> you got to be born of the spirit and, and Nicodemus was probably a puzzled look on his face Jesus said well do you feel that wind let's talk about it <laughs> and and mm, I feel a breeze. Lord, have me preach that. When I was just a boy, a preacher, maybe 19, 20, the Lord had me preach that, that the Spirit of God, a mighty rushing wind, Acts 2. And then John 3, uh, the wind, and, and, and how the Holy Spirit is like the wind. And then my text was over in the Old Testament somewhere, and I think I had it pretty twisted, but I mean, I enjoyed what I had to say. Uh, the rustling in the mulberries. <laughs> I was young enough to blame it on being young enough, you know, and I just, and <clears throat> I don't have anything to blame it on now, but I, that rustling in the, I hear the sound of a going in the top of the mulberries. I ain't sure what that was, at all, and I still hadn't studied it <laughs> to this day, but I, I, I feel a breeze. I feel a breeze. And the Lord's had me studying the Holy Spirit. And the reason I tell you this is because one of my texts has been Matthew 12, whoo, 31. Mm. And, whew, I mean, there's too many happy bubbles popping in here. Man, I hurt itself on a night like this. You gives her to bump over on your liver and tell your spleen to wake up and pinch your appendix and... All of you be shouting on the inside. Happy bubbles that tear you up. Mm. Mm. He's here. You better understand one thing. I'm willing to step out of the way when it's not time for me to be up here. Step out of the way quick. You better believe that. Mm. So uh, one of the messages has been Matthew twelve thirty one, and this matter of you know the unpardonable sin, the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. But uh, I got hung up on that first half of the verse. <laughs> Sorry, I did. Whiff. <laughs> Wherefore I say unto you, and if he says it, all of heaven and hell can't change. Wherefore I say unto you. Oh, might need to tag out and run 10 minutes and then tag back in. All manner of sin. <laughs> and blasphemy. 
shall be forgiven unto me. And I got hung up right there on how happy I, I was about that. But the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And uh, I take 20 seconds on that part right there. And, and, and I lean pretty strong towards that the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. I, I lean towards, and I'm not fully persuaded, but I'm nearly there. That may have been a dispensational sin. It may have been a sin that only could be committed if Jesus was in his body on the earth and you looked at him, here was their sin, knowing, that's the key, knowing that he was who he was. The Jewish leaders looked at him and knew that he was God's son. But they so... Let me tell you something about that sin nature. Just because the Lord shows up don't mean it's going to want to love the Lord. Mm, Y'all leave me alone. He's going to show up. Live on this planet a thousand years. It's his. He's going to rule. And all the nations and all them people that live for a millennia. In the actual presence of the Lord, as soon as the devils turn loose for a season, they'll turn on Jesus. He'd been good to them for a thousand years, and they're going to turn on him. So don't you be over impressed by thinking if Jesus showed up in cow pens tomorrow, let the whole world get right. The Antichrist is going to show up, and they're going to love and worship him because they have the same heart he has. It's a heart against Christ. I think... Trying, trying to get to the other. I think that the sin of the blaspheming the Holy Ghost was looking at Jesus as a Jewish leader, knowing who he was, but so determined to hang on to their power and their position and their nature, their nation, that that old nature wanting to deceive the people deliberately said this man's full of Satan knowing that he was God's son. I think the blaspheme against the Holy Ghost is a deliberate sin. I don't think there's anybody that's going to ignorantly or innocently trip up into it and wake up one day and say, oh no, oh no, I can't be pardoned because I've sinned against it. I think it's a deliberate and I think a man who would do that is beyond, his heart's beyond anyway. It's a heart of damnation, a heart of degradation, a heart of depravity, and it's it's a heart of reprobation already. And it's to deceive the other people, to deceive the people. Knowing who he was. I'm not sure you can commit this particular sin in this hour. Because it ain't mentioned nowhere else. Is it, Pastor? It is not dealt with anywhere else in any other Old Testament. Paul's epistles, the end time book. It's not dealt with nowhere except in this Jew. Jewish, heavily, heavily flavored Jewish book of Matthew. And it was the Jewish leaders deliberately trying to deceive the people, knowing that he was God's son. Now, I know J. Harold Smith preached God's three deadlines. And I promise you one thing, each and every individual, there's deadlines. You cross them, you might just go on to hell. So, we understand that. I think the only thing that might can come close in this hour to this is that people who've been going to church too long and it's become familiar to them and then they think it's their church. And they get that preacher killing church splitting spirit. In order to deceive the people to keep their position of power will deliberately attack God's man who's full of Christ and the body and that church body to hold their position. They're willing to destroy the body of Christ and they come against it knowing what they're doing. That might be in the same neighborhood. Why you think we got 10 million steeples in the south and very little of the presence of God?
And I sure am glad for that first half of that verse. And I wanted to show this to you. Or showed it to about an hour ago. The oven door still open. This might burn you. I mean, honey, the butter will melt. Just getting close to the bread, the butter's going to melt. Not because I'm any sort of preacher, but because that is a wonderful book right there. It's the Word of God. So, I'm just going to show you what I saw. I don't even know if, I don't even know if this will come under the uh, category of preaching. I'm just going to show you what I saw. Look at this. Go ahead and believe that for one, verse 31. All manner of sin. Right. All manner of sin. And blasphemy. Isn't that amazing? In one verse, there's the most awful thing. That's, I mean, the only unpardonable sin mentioned. And then all the other pardonable sins, which is all the rest of them. Isn't it amazing? God can load the... He can put in one verse the most heavenly thing and the most hellish thing in one verse. And right here in your life tonight, maybe one of the reasons God's called this meeting is because there's a whole lot of heaven looking at you, but then there's a whole lot of, and I don't mean this vulgar, Pastor, I'm using it on purpose. There's a whole lot of hell looking at you. And what you do is going to determine the direction of your life. It's all in one verse, Brother Reigns. You can walk off into the things of God or you can walk off into the depths of Satan. Help me right there. It's right in front of you. Some of you have been skirting the issue. Some of you, some of you this meeting, you've been flirting around the edges of it this meeting. This move of God. And ain't nobody told me nothing. I ain't asked nobody nothing. I don't want to know nothing. I ain't talked to Brother Stroud, my friend. I texted your pastor today only because of, for directions and stuff. I ain't asked nobody what's been going on. Because y'all don't need for me to know what's going on. My wisdom ain't going to help this meeting one lick. We've had enough from man. That's why our churches are in the shape they're in. I don't even want nobody to try to tell me what the thing's been happening. God's here. It's all I need to know God's here. That's enough for me to know that we don't even know. The one's telling everybody what's going on. We don't even know what's going on. God's here. I don't need to know. God knows. Some of you have been skirting around the edge of this meeting. You're running from God. You've been sitting in this church most of your life and you're running from God. And he's called you. He's called you down for he's, this reckoning. This meeting is a reckoning. Sorry. There's some of you, this is the, this is the moment. You're either going to run from God or run to God. That's it. And you're either going to head over into some of the most heavenly things that God can give a man, or you're going to head over into some of the most hellish things that could ever come under judgment. That's where you're at. You children and you teenagers, this, this visitation which most people never get one like this. They'll get what they need. Don't worry about them. God will take care of them. But what year? A week like this! A visitation like this. And you youngins, whatever you do with it, you're going to either head off and just into the depths of Satan and we'll never see you again. Or you're going to head off into the heavenlies and we're going to watch you fly to the heights that he's got for you. And some of you young, some of you in here in your 20s and 30s, you're in this church because of good family. 
but this has got to get past your good family. This has got to become about God's family. And this is the point where it becomes about God's family, not your good family. Raised around this, raised in this. You can be in this and this not be in you. And this is a reckoning. This meeting is a reckoning. Jesus is, Jesus is coming in just a little bit. And this meeting is your reckoning meeting. This is your judgment seat where you can get it right before you have to go to the judgment seat. This is more than serious business. It's beyond serious. This is eternal. This eternal business. This is eternal business. Oh, I'm about to die of having to go to where they play church. I mean, I, I, it may kill me. It really may. God, I have to help me. I feel like I've been backslid 17 years of evangelism because I pastored from 21 to 29 and then I had to go to all them other churches. What I'm saying is, this is eternal business. He's here. It's more precious than gold or silver. It's more precious than anything in this world. (laughs) All manner of sin. I'm going to show it to you. I'm nearly done with my part for now. In the same, yeah, in one verse. And so, I was looking at Matthew 12. Now, I'm nearly done in my own sort of way. All manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. I'd say that takes mercy. And I found it, Brother Spencer. Chapter 12, in verse 7, he rebuked the Pharisees. They were mad because they was eating corn on Saturday. Why would you be mad about that? Why are Pharisees mad about the stuff they're mad about? <laughs> Eating corn on Saturday. That don't sound like a sin. No, some of the stuff that we make up. Y'all ain't helping me. And so they were mad, and then he's dealt with them. And verse 7, he said, Boys, if you'd known what this means. <laughs> the whole Old Testament. He said, "If you do, you missed it, boys." Moses gave us six hundred and thirteen laws. Over three hundred were positive, or only two hundred something were negative. But the Pharisees had turned that into a system of over six thousand laws. By the time Jesus arrived. Even to this day, if you're over in in Jerusalem on Saturday, you're not allowed to even push an elevator button. It's considered work. They're programmed on Saturdays to stop on every floor. I would love to just get in the elevator one time with about seven of the little guys, you know. Just wig out on them. Ah, just do all of them. Ah, They'd probably like this. Swoon. Swoon. Swoon right. Swoon's not faint. He said, boys, you've missed it. But if you had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy. And not sacrifice. He said, y'all are all caught up in them Old Testament rituals, the sacrifices. 
And the whole time, it was all about mercy. Well, where do you think that comes from? That all manner, what kind of God would be willing to forgive? All manner of sin and blasphemy. I'd say a God who was full of mercy. Have you ever, maybe there's a new Christian here. Have you ever seen where even on the very day that God gave the law, he was merciful? They were breaking the law, Mount Sinai, fog, smoke, fire, cloud, Moses, didn't need nothing, 40 days up there with the Lord. While he was giving the law, his people were breaking the law. And then Moses, on his way down the mountain, didn't even get all the way down. And he lost his temper, which was his personal, that was his thing. <laughs> we would know what your thing is. We just have to talk to your wife and children. I'm going to find out what your thing is. That was his thing. He, <laughs> he lost his temper at the beginning of his ministry when he killed that Egyptian. He lost his temper at the end of his ministry when he smote the rock. He lost it in the middle of his ministry. You know, some things, your flesh just going to give you a fit the whole way home. It's not an excuse to live in sin, but it's the reality that sin's living in us. And on the way down, he... They were breaking the law, and he broke the actual law. Like he threw it down. Smashed the stone tablet. He broke the actual law that with the finger of God, he had just got, watch this, under law. Under law. On the day God gave the law. I'm going to say something, and I think, I don't even have to encourage you. I think you'll, Moses picked up the broken pieces. And carried them back up to God. And this ain't even under grace. But it was under God. And on the day that he gave the law, he broke the actual law. And walked back up the mountain and they're breaking the law and I broke this. Because I got a little man. And the Lord said, this is not even at Calvary. This is at Sinai. On the sternest, severest day, the Lord said, give it back to me and we'll do it again. And I want to say that tonight. If, If you'll pick up the broken pieces. Take them back up to me. He'll say, give them to me. And we'll do this again. A redo. I'll get, a, I'll get another, I'll get another stone. So he made it again another vessel. As seemed good to him. Spencer, Brother Doug, did you ever notice that the two men that God gave the two covenants to, administered to, and made them the stewards, the apostle to the Gentiles, and then Moses, the mediator, did you ever notice the two men, the one he gave the old covenant to, Moses, and the other one, the apostle Paul, he gave the, the covenant of grace to him. To the two men that he gave the two covenants to, they both had blood on their hands. To the man who carried the law and said, Thou shalt not kill, already had. Just in case you've been wondering if God could use you. Just in case you're wondering if God could forgive you. sanctify you and use your life even though some problems persist could he use your life and the man that he gave to preach and bring the covenant to the church was the one man trying to kill the church 
ladder. Watch this. She said, boys, you all missed the mercy. He said, I don't deserve the Lord's nothing from him. Salvation, well, that makes you a good candidate for mercy. Anybody deserves it, it no longer becomes mercy. All right, I want you to write these down because I feel like you need to get them and then... And I could, I, I could preach till one in the morning and be just halfway there. I'm going to one time, Brother Doug, really am. I had a man in, over in South Carolina. We are in South Carolina. Over, in, uh, over below Charlotte. He's an older preacher. He's a precious man. And he's tears in his eyes. He said, one night, he said, I want you to just preach. He said, I'll come with my Bible and a recorder. He said, I just want you to preach until you can't preach no more. I said, I want to do that. He said, I want you to. I said, we'll probably be the only ones there, me and you. So I want you to write all these down so you can have them. And then I'll obey the Lord. And There's mercy. <laughs> This is going to be fair. I'm going to try to give them to you right now, like in rapid succession. Do you know how almost impo- I'm going to do it? Yeah. <laughs> Y'all fixing to see an exercise in self-will or a great effort thereof, thereat, therein. You fixing to see me try real hard to do something real hard. Yeah. And that is give you all this without preaching any of it. Promise me something good if I'll do it. I need a reward. I need a, like a carrot in front of it. That's good enough. All right, here they come. Mercy on who? Well, there's mercy on the heavy. Go back up to Matthew 11, 28, 29, and 30. Come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He said, I see you're under that heavy load. That's number one. If you're heavy laden, you find rest unto your souls. And then number two. If I can keep this up, I'll be all right. That hurt a while ago. That hurt to move through that. That physically hurt me. Verse, chapter 12, verse 1. And at that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn. <laughs> See, I want to preach that part so bad. And his disciples were hungered. There's mercy for the hungry. Pastor, that corn, now you know this, but there may be a new Christian here. That corn in the new time is always a picture of the resurrection. It's what he said of his own body. The manna came down from heaven, that was incarnation, but that seed of corn buried coming up, that's resurrection. Question, and I think you'll understand this point is anybody here hungry for God? And his resurrection power. He's got mercy for the hungry. Number three. There's mercy for the humans. I love verse three. I've always loved this. If I make it through this, and I can go through the rest of them. I love this, Pastor. Pastor Griffith, have you not read what David did? Now, don't you know right there, Jesus brings up David. Have you not read what David did? He's dealing with the Pharisees and he's rebuking them. And he says, have you not read what David did? And right there 
every self-righteous, big-mouth, hypocrite, gossiper in the country. Like, oh, yeah, I read what David did. I read it on Facebook, too. I know what he did. And oh, and they all the gossip mongers like, oh, this is going to be good a two-hour session. Let's talk about the juicy, scandalous details. I know what he did. I confess, gossip is fun. I mean, it is. It's that, you know it's wicked because it's so enjoyable. I mean, this is what I hear from other people. I've heard of this. I've heard of these things. I read, I read that in a book on gossip one time from somebody in California. They were from California. <laughs> Have you not read? And look what Jesus did. He then tells nothing about his sin, but he actually tells of the, one of the best days of David's life when David the king went into the holy place and became a king priest and served his servants bread from the holy place. He actually went to where David was at the height when he became a king priest. In the Old Testament, you got all them sins recorded of all them sinners. But in the New Testament, God does not record, God does not remember, God does not reveal. In the New Testament, he never mentions any of the sins of the Old Testament saints. And he always tells about their good stuff. In the New Testament, he'll tell you the good. He said, oh, y'all know Sarah? Yeah, I seen her laughing behind the tent. I seen her bringing Hagar in. But no, God says... She had that great faith. And she conceived. I said, really? He said, yes, that's what she did. And Abraham and Moses. And you get over there. And he said, oh, Moses did this. Moses did that. And you get in the news. And you see Moses standing on, standing on the Mount of Glory with Jesus. That's good. All right, y'all, says, now I'm starting to we got to leave this point. Aren't you just glad that there's mercy for all them humans? And why don't we try being like Jesus? It's not easy. But when somebody says, you know what old Sam did? Why don't you hit them quick before they can bring up the ugly and say, yeah, he helped my mama last month. You know, put a roof on. That Sam's a good boy. Hey, do you know what Susan did when she was up years ago? I, I know what Susan did last month in the Wednesday night prayer meeting. That testimony. It really helped my family. Susan's a blessing. wonder what it is over in that New Testament where sins aren't mentioned, but it says good. Seems like there's a cross over there. Seems like there's a Savior over there. Seems like there's a better hope under that New Covenant. Seem like there's a lamb who took away our sins and gave us his righteousness. There's mercy for all them sinners, all them humans. There's mercy. And then come down to verse 7. He said, I will have mercy and not sin. Did you know he was quoting there? He's quoting the book of Hosea, chapter 6. 
and verse 6. There's mercy for harlots. It actually came out at, at the Hampton on the little piece of notebook paper. There's mercy for Jose and Gomers. Yeah, yeah. That's what, what came out on the pen. He, he went back to Jose and Gomer and said, You boys, let me take you back. There's mercy. And I double dog dare you to go study Hosea tonight in chapter 2, I think verse 23 or verse 27. He said, We're going to have mercy. He used the word mercy. And then three verses later, get that. Go yet, love a woman. I know she's an adulteress, but go get her. Try not to preach this. 15 seconds. I gave myself 15 seconds because I did so good on that last one. It's a little reward system. And there stood Gomer. By the way, she wasn't worth having the first time around. Much less the second time around. Theologians, you're supposed to help me right there. We were just dust the first time around. And then we were dirty dust the second time around. Devilish dust. Depraved dust. But we was just dust to begin with. And there she stands now, old and defiled and naked and diseased. And the world's done with her. And those men are done with her. And she's standing there alone and naked and trembling. And they're all down at the slave auction. And nobody even wants her. But the Lord told him, right. hey, dare, dare you to go study Hosea tonight. Take all you got and go pay it. <laughs> go get her. Go get her back. And that's what he was doing with all of us. He came to get us. He came to get us back. He said she stood there. Shame on top of shame. Nobody even wanted her now. But then she heard a voice. Calling from the back. I'll pay the price. I want her. I'll take her. Got another H here. Verse 11. Only got two more. Brother Rains, I don't even know how I missed this. Been looking at my Bible my whole life. Never noticed this. Verse 10 there's a man had his hand withered. Pharisees didn't want him to get no help. Verse 11, Jesus told a little story. Don't know how I missed this. What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep? And if it fall into a pit (laughs) on the Sabbath day of all things. When I read that, Brother Griffith, oh my goodness. Can you imagine what an actual horrid extreme picture this is painting? A sheep Falling into a pit. That pit always represents hell. And you know, he only had one sheep. And it fell down into a pit. And there's God in the garden. And there's Adam fell down into hell. They only had one. And he went after him. Nearly ran. Almost ran just then. That may be me yonder running. I was beside myself a while ago. I may have took off and just left me here. This this hit me hard. A sheep that's had a terrible fall down into a pit. This this would be a picture of the worst ones. Fell by herself way down. Anybody here got a prodigal? You got a sheep? It's in a pit somewhere. Anybody here lost and going to hell? You are one of his creatures. And he created it, hung up down there in hell. 
I've been saying something for about a year. And I knew it was scriptural, but I couldn't find the scripture. <laughs> I mean, I felt like pretty strong, 98% it was scriptural. So I went with it. Because yeah. I knew these were 21st century Baptists. They wouldn't have any idea if it was 2% off or 98% off. Preach about anything you want to this hour. They don't even know. Found my verse today. I've been saying this for about a year. It just come back to me from them old country preachers that I grew up. They used to say this. They used to say, while well, he's a hacking, every third word sucking all the air out of the county. Yeah. Yeah. And they used to say, if you'd have been the only one. Yeah. That's what yeah. they used to say. Yeah. You remember some of them old country preachers in Chattanooga? If you'd have been the only one. It has still come from yeah. glory. Yeah. They said if you'd have been the only one, yeah. it has come. He'd have been born a virgin birth. He'd have lived a spotless life. He'd have suffered. He'd have suffered. And he'd have went to Calvary and bled and died and went to hell and went to a land not inhabited. If you'd have been the only one. He'd have come all the way just for you. They used to say that. When they'd say it, we did what y'all were doing because you knew it was right. Could you just sit there and envision if I was the only one? Well, I found my verse today. A man ain't had but one sheep and he fell in a pit. I got me scripture here where there wasn't but one. And so right there I put in my little H's while ago at the Hampton. The hell bound. There's mercy for sheep. <laughs> Who have already fallen in the pit. Yep. But I'm going to tell you the second one. I'm out of the second one. I'm going to tell you the last one and then come back and tell a story. Who's going to play the uh, piano for the altar call? Sister, would you come on up and softly play? And that'll help me finish. The last one's right down there. It's in verse, everybody look down at verse 20. A bruised reed shall he not break. Smoking flags shall he not quench. And that little reed down there at the river, if it was bruised and bent. So when he gets here, I didn't read the other verses because I'd preach an hour if I read them. It's out of Isaiah 42, which by the way, Isaiah 42 is the first mention in the Bible of the word elect. And it's Christ. Behold, my elect. And if you're wondering how this Calvinism stuff works, it don't. But if you're wondering how the election works, it's because it's Him. He's the elect. And when you got put in Him, leave me alone. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. And he said this, and when he gets here, when he gets here, you won't hear him in the streets. He won't be causing a riot. When he gets here, he's going to be the gentle shepherd. Verse 20, he's going to be so gentle that that little bruised reed, he's not going to break it. 
and the smoking flax. That means that you're all burned out and there's just a little left and your fire's already gone and you're just smoking. Your fire's out. He won't quench it. He's going he's to take these things and help them and hold them and heal them. The hurting. The hurting. There's mercy for all these bruised reeds. People that are bent over and they're bruised. People who's, they're all burned out with what sins brought them, with what life has brought them, with what hell has brought them, with what battles have brought them, with what the years have brought them. And they're down there and the fire's out and there's just a little smoke. <laughs> and it's going to take it. Go get that fire going again. <laughs>